Amen. Hey, have a seat, guys. Thank you guys for leading us, reminding us of the good news of, of the cross this morning. Hey, welcome to Christ Community Church. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, would love to meet you. Um, but thank you guys so much for being here today, whether you're worshiping with us in person or online. Appreciate you guys uh, being here. This is the time of the service when normally, um, most days, our, our kids would be dismissed, but it is wet and it's muddy out there today. And so kids, you guys are going to hang out with us today. We're excited to have you guys. I'm actually going to have you guys help me with something uh, in just a minute. So you guys can hang tight um, here. Um, before we jump in today, I want to encourage you uh, just with something. As you guys probably know, this is a big week uh, just in the life of our community and in many of us here because school is starting back up this coming week. And so I want to... <laughs> Big claps from my wife on that, yes. <laughs> I want to encourage you guys, because of your generosity, um, we were able to provide breakfast for all of the employees of Fredonia Central School District this past Wednesday. So thank you guys for your generosity. Big thanks to the halls and to the riders and to Andrew for getting up before dawn and going and picking up all of this stuff. Thanks to my wife, Tracy, for masterminding all of it. Um, and thank you to you guys for your generosity to enable us to bless uh, our teachers and administrators and all the employees of, of, of the school district. Um, and with that in mind, I also want to take a moment and pray for all of those who are going to be involved in this, this coming school year. And so um, for students, for teachers, for aides, for administrators, for, for all those who are going to be involved. So whatever school uh, you'll be involved in, whatever district, public school, private school, homeschool, colleges and, and universities, um, SUNY Fredonia, all of that. We want to pray for all of you guys, and we want to pray that, that God would bless you this year. And so uh, this is the participation portion. So if, you, uh, if you're going to be involved in school this coming year in any way, so whether that's as a student, whether that's um, as a teacher or an aide or a staff member, um, whether you're a parent who teaches your kids at home, um, would love for you to stand. Um, and, and we want to pray over you guys. So my guys, you guys can go ahead and stand. And we want to we wanna see you guys, and we want to specifically pray over you, because, because learning and teaching isn't just something we do because we have to do it. Uh, it's actually a holy calling. God reveals his word to us. He reveals his truth to us in the world all around us, in the world that he has made. And so we want to pray for you guys as you do that and as you learn about uh, the world that he has made this coming year. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to learn. We thank you for, for those who are here. We thank you for, for teachers and, and aides and bus drivers and administrators and parents who work hard to, to educate kids. We thank you for our students. We thank you whatever grade they are, whatever level of education, whatever district, whatever the educational setting, we thank you for them. And God, I pray that as they learn and as they teach and as they serve this year, I pray that you would bless them and be gracious to them and make your face shine upon them. We know that all truth is your truth, God. 
We know that Jesus Christ is the truth, and so, so we pray for them as they step into this holy calling of teaching and learning and serving in our schools this year. Whatever those schools are, whether that's a, a public school, a private school, a home school, whether that's at a college or university or, or wherever it is, we pray your blessing on them. I pray for endurance for those who are serving in, in staff roles or in, in teaching roles, Lord, I pray for endurance, that they would know that their work matters and that you would sustain them. I pray for students, that they would hunger to learn. And I pray that they would have a desire to learn because you've revealed yourself in the world around us. And, and I pray that you would watch over them. I pray for safety this coming year and protection. And we pray that you would continue to grow all of us involved in this, not just in the things that we know, but grow our character as well. We thank you for these, and we pray your blessing on them this coming year. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys. You guys can be seated. Um, so excited that you're here. One other thing before we jump into our text today, um, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper today. And so if you plan to, to join us in taking the Lord's Supper, there's some of these little like plastic shot glasses uh, in the back there with um, juice and a wafer. And so Phyllis, thank you for setting that up for us today. And so would encourage you to just grab one of those. We're going to do that at the end of our sermon time today. All right, if you've been with us over the past seven weeks here, you know that we have been spending time this summer in the book of Psalms. And specifically, we've been looking at how the Psalms speak for us. How these ancient hymns and these ancient prayers written thousands of years ago and half a world away give voice to the deepest hopes and dreams and longings of our souls today. And we could spend a lot more time in the book of Psalms if we wanted. Uh, John Calvin famously said that the Psalms are a complete anatomy of the soul. I love that. A complete anatomy of the soul. So my daughter, Marilyn, has a poster hanging in her, her bedroom. That There it is right there on her wall in her bedroom, depicting kind of the organs and the systems of the body. So you got the respiratory system, the circulatory system, the nervous system, the digestive system, the skeletal system. Uh, and that's all because she's six. Um, but you, you study those things. And you study those things in biology class or, or in med school, right, so that you can understand what's going on under the surface of your skin so that you can understand how the body works and, and how to keep it healthy. And as complex as our bodies are, our souls are at least that complicated. Maybe, maybe sometimes even more complicated. And, and we struggle to make sense of all the emotions and the aspirations and the inherent contradictions that we feel inside of ourselves. And the Psalms help us make sense of that. The Psalms help us to listen to the voice of what's going on inside of us, and they show us how to bring that into the presence of God. The Psalms show us how to come to the great physician and find healing for our souls. And so my hope and my prayer for you as we wrap up the series in the Psalms is that this wouldn't be the end of your time in the Psalms. That whatever you're walking through, whatever is going on inside of you, fear, sadness, anger, joy, whatever it is that you're experiencing, that you would know that God invites you to come to him honestly, and that he's given us the Psalms to enable us to do that. And this week, we're going to wrap it up in Psalm 67. Psalm 67, and we're going to be listening to the voice of purpose. The voice of purpose. We all want to know what our purpose is, don't we? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What am I supposed to be doing with this one life that God has given me in this time and this place? 
Am I just here to eat and sleep and breathe and take up space till I die? Or was I created for something more? And this is a really short psalm. It's only seven verses long, but it unpacks that question in some really profound ways. Psalm 67, let's hear what the word of God says. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now, remember what the Psalms were. The Psalms were worship songs. The, the Psalms was, was the hymn book of the people of God. And so you're sitting there, imagine you're sitting there in temple one day around 800 BC, and, and you hear the worship team roll out this new song for the first time. And if you hear that, you know that these lyrics are not original. They've actually taken these lyrics from someone else. These are the lyrics to a classic song that you grew up listening to. Psalm 67 is like a remix. And, and we don't know exactly who the psalm writer was, but what he's doing is he's sampling some key themes from the Hebrew scriptures and from the life of God's people, and he's bringing them together into a prayer and a song that speak to our purpose as the people of God. One of the most well-known passages of scripture for a Jewish person at this time would have been Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter six, probably none of you guys did your devotions in Numbers this morning, but Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26, would have been one of the most important passages of Scripture. It's called the Aaronic blessing. It's the blessing that the priests were commanded to speak over the people of Israel. Here's what it says, number 6, starting verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so, what's happening is this songwriter of Psalm 67, whoever he is, he has grown up all his life hearing this blessing. He goes to the temple and he hears the priest speaking this blessing over God's God's people. And it's almost like he's sitting there in church and he, and he hears the priest pronounce this blessing and he starts asking, so what? What, what, is, what does this mean? What does this mean for our lives? When we leave this religious festival, when we leave this building, when we leave this worship gathering, what's the rest of my week supposed to look like? What's the purpose of my life? And, and in this psalm, we're going to see two things about God's purpose for us in this world. Two things God wants to do. We're going to see what God wants to do for us and what God wants to do through us. What God wants to do for us and what God wants to do through us. First, what God wants to do for us. Look again, verse 1. May God be gracious to us. That's the first thing. God wants us to experience his grace, his goodness, his unmerited favor. Listen, the deepest desire of God's heart is not to take from you. The deepest desire of God's heart is to give to you. And grace means that God loves us and accepts us and pours out his kindness on us when we don't deserve it. And it's vital to get that point up front. 
What God wants to do for you comes before what God wants to do through you. If you start just with what does God want to do through me, then you will spend your entire life trying to earn God's love, trying to prove your self-righteousness, trying to justify your existence by the things that you do for God, and you will eventually be crushed under the weight of that impossible task. But if you begin with what God has done for you, If you learn to receive his grace and rest on his grace, then you're set free from the need to prove yourself and you're set free to serve God and other people with joy and gladness. God wants to be gracious to us and he keeps going and bless us and bless us. A blessing is one of those words that kind of gets thrown around a lot, but I, I don't think we really know what it means. Um, My wife, Tracy, many of you guys know, is from the South. Um, We used to live in Birmingham, Alabama, and and I learned quickly after moving to the South that there was this whole new set of colloquialisms that I had to learn. And and one of the most confusing was this phrase, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Because because when Tracy's grandmother would say, bless your heart, she, she was like really sincere. She's like, you're so kind. You're so sweet. Bless your heart. When other people said it, though, when they said, bless your heart, it was kind of a polite, euphemistic way of saying, what an idiot. (laughs) Bless, bless his heart. We throw around this word, all these ways, we don't even know what it means. And there are a million ways, right? There are a million ways that God blesses us. The sun, even the rain today, food to eat, water to drink, family and friends and football, Right? But in the Bible, God's blessing, this is important to get about blessing. God's blessing is always tied to God's purpose. His blessing is always tied to his purpose. God creates human beings in his image. Genesis 1.28, God creates human beings in his image and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God pours out his goodness on us. God blesses us, but for a purpose, so that we can live the truly human lives he's created us for. So that we can live out our mission as human beings created to reflect and represent God in the world. Blessing isn't primarily about getting a bigger house and a nicer car and your best life now. Sometimes blessing can look like struggle. Sometimes it can even look like trial. But God is using all those things to make us what we were created to be. He's using those things to bless us. God wants to be gracious to us. He wants to bless us. And he wants to make his face shine upon us. Make his face shine upon us. When God first created us as human beings, he created us to know him and to be known by him. He created us to live all of our lives before the face of God. But we turned our back on God. We decided we wanted to be our own gods. And so so what happened? When Adam and Eve realized that they had sinned, what did they do? They hid from God. And now we hide from the only thing that can bring us true and lasting joy. We hide from the thing we were created for. We hide from the face and the presence of God. And there's good reason to hide. I mean, God is perfectly holy The prophet Isaiah tells us that God is so holy that the angels of heaven hide their face in the presence of God as they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. When Moses asked to see God's glory, God said, no one can see my face and live. If sinful human beings looked on the blazing holiness of God's face, 
we'd be vaporized, incinerated in the presence of the God who's a consuming fire, whose holiness shines brighter than the light of a thousand suns. And that's the impossible predicament we find ourselves in. We were made for the presence of God. We were made for the face of God. But because of our sin, we feel this need to hide our face. Our sin has cut us off from the face of God, from the one thing that we were made for. And then one day, God showed his face. And it wasn't the face of the blazing sun or a white-hot supernova. God took on the face of a baby. He, he was born in a barn. He had a feeding trough for a crib. He had to be held and fed and have his diapers changed. God became one of us so that he could show us himself, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, as the Christmas carol says. And that's why Jesus didn't just have to be born. That's why he didn't just have to live and heal people and teach us profound truths. He had to die. He had to die in our place so that we could see the face of God and live. When Jesus hung on that cross bearing our sin, the scriptures tell us that God the Father turned his face away from his son. For the only time in all of eternity, the Father's face wasn't shining on his son. And the sky turned dark because the Son of God was bearing your sins and mine. See, Jesus experienced the darkness so that we could experience the light. The Father turned his face away from Jesus so that he could make his face shine on us. You know, that's what, that's what true faith is. True faith isn't blind. True faith is when God opens our eyes to see his face. The Apostle Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians 4. He says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that now Jesus has died and risen again for my sins. And now I can come into the presence of God. I can live openly and honestly before the face of God with nothing to hide. That's what God wants to do for us. He wants to be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. But he doesn't stop there. Remember, God's blessing is always tied to God's purpose. And so if we stop there, we're going to miss some of it. Once we understand what God wants to do for us, we need to understand what God wants to do through us. What God wants to do through us. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That's, that's what he does for us. But why? Why does God do those things? Verse 2. That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. That's the point. That's the purpose. That's God's goal in blessing his people. He doesn't just want us to be consumers of his grace. He wants us to be conduits of his grace. That's always been God's plan for his people from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham. He calls the father of his chosen people. And he says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
God says, Abram, I'm, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family. But, but here's why, Abram, so that I can bless all the families of the earth through you. And that's what this songwriter is picking up here in Psalm 67. He prays, God, bless us. God, be gracious to us. God, make your face shine upon us. But don't just do it for our sake, God. Bless us so that the nations might know your salvation. God, bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. God's blessing is always tied to God's purpose. And we don't fully experience the blessing of God when we ignore the purpose of God. Imagine this just for a moment. Imagine you've never seen a telephone. All right, you, don't, you don't know what that is. And someone gives you a brand new iPhone. This is definitely not a brand new iPhone. But someone gives you a brand new iPhone. So, but no instructions. They don't tell you anything about it. No instructions. No information about it. Battery's fully charged. It's got an unlimited data plan. It's got all the bells and whistles or whatever they call them on iPhones. But you don't know what it is. You don't know how to use it. You don't know how to turn it on. And, and you get this thing and you unwrap this thing on Christmas morning. How do you respond? Like, thanks, I guess. I really could have used another pair of ugly socks, but you know, okay, all right, thanks. What do I do with this thing, right? Is it a coaster to set my drink on? Is it a doorstop to keep my door from slamming shut? Is it a hammer to hit things with? What's the purpose of this thing? I have more computing power in my hand than was on the Apollo 11 space shuttle. But if I don't know why it exists, if I don't get the purpose, then I can, I can never experience the blessing of having it. And I'm afraid that that's how so many of us live as human beings. We have all these wonderful blessings, financial blessings, relational blessings, spiritual blessings, but we don't know why we have them. We're missing the purpose. And in the process, we're missing out on the joy of using them as God intended. God blesses us so that he can make us a blessing to others. And so let me ask you to think about this. How has God blessed you? And beyond that, why has God blessed you? Why has God given you the mind you have, the money you have, the skills you have, the connections you have, the family you have? Why has he given you food to eat and clean water to drink? Why has he given you the breath in your lungs? Why has he given you a heart that continues to beat? Why has he given us his gospel? Why has he placed his spirit within us? Why has he given us his word? I mean, do you realize that there are over 450 translations of the Bible in the English language? Haven't read them all, uh, but I looked that up on Wikipedia, so you know it's true. Four, 450 translations of the Bible in English. While there are still millions of people in the world who don't have one translation of the Bible in their own language. We have the blessing of having the very word of God in our language literally at our fingertips. So all of these blessings, how are we using these blessings that God has given us? I want to quickly from this passage show you three things, three things God wants to do through us, three reasons he has blessed us and brought us to himself. First, God blesses us because God wants to be known in all the earth. 
God wants to be known in all the earth. Verse two, that your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Now, remember, we've, we've talked about this before. When the Psalms talk about the nations, they're talking about us. Unless you are of Jewish descent, this is talking about you. Gentiles, non-Jews, people who were once cut off from God and his salvation and his promises. But through Christ, God, by his mercy, has brought us into his family. And now he sends us out to proclaim his salvation among all nations. Every tribe, every people group on earth, God sends us to Dunkirk and to Dublin to Fredonia and Fallujah, to, to Brockton and Balochistan. He sends us to show and tell the world the good news. You can know this God for yourself. God wants to be known in all the earth. That's, that's the first reason he blesses us. Second, God blesses us because God wants to be praised by all peoples. He wants to be praised by all peoples. Verse three, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Verse five, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. That's the, the chorus of this song. That's what he repeats over and over again. God wants to be praised. He wants people to find delight in him. And he's emphatic here. He doesn't just want some people to praise him. He doesn't just want one group of people living in one part of the world with one skin tone, speaking one language to praise him. He wants all people to praise him. He wants to bring salvation and blessing to all the families of the earth. And the whole goal of history, the whole point of it all is in Revelation 7, we've talked about it before, where we join with the people from every tribe and tongue and nation and all throughout history to praise the lamb who was slain. That's why God blesses us. He blesses us because he wants to be known in all the earth. He blesses us because he wants to be praised by all the peoples. And finally, God blesses us because God wants to bring joy to the world. Wants to bring joy to the world. And not just your world, and not just my world, the whole world. Verse 4 Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. What a prayer. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. That's what praise is. Praise is the overflow of joy. You praise what you enjoy. You talk about the things that give you joy, and talking about them actually gives you more joy. Right? You, you see your favorite band in concert. What do you do? You post about it on Facebook. You tell someone about it. Your kids do something cute or something funny. You want to share it with someone. You start a new relationship. You make it official. You, you make it public. This doesn't happen too often, but it did this past year. The Bills win a playoff game. And you, you stand and you yell and you cheer and you jump through a table and you, you talk about it. We praise what brings us joy. Sometimes as Bills fans, they bring us a lot of heartache too. But, but you get the point. You praise what gives you joy. And when you praise it, when you talk about it, your joy is actually heightened and deepened because someone else gets to share the joy with you. That's why we praise God. That's why we share the good news of Jesus. It's not because God is like some insecure Instagram influencer who needs all our likes. It, it's not because we want to force other people into our way of thinking. 
It's not because we're trying to condemn or scold or judge other people. It's because we have found joy in the only thing that can ever satisfy us. And we want the whole world to experience that joy. Joy is the engine of mission. And joy is the goal of mission. We experience the joy of knowing God and we want other people to experience that joy. We want that joy now and we want it for all eternity so that when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That's what we want. That's what we live our lives for. And that's why we want to share it with other people. But if we're honest, sometimes it's hard to see clearly, isn't it? Sometimes the face of God seems hidden. Sometimes the world seems so dark and the suffering is so painful and the injustice is so rampant that sometimes it's hard to feel like God's face is shining on us. And that's why this psalm ends by looking to the future. Reminds us that God is a God of justice who will establish justice in the world. Verse four, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. And then it looks forward at the end to God's faithfulness in the future. Verse six, God, our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. See, the faithfulness of God in the past, the blessings that he has poured out on our lives are all pointers to the fact that something better is coming. That one day God will set all things right and make all things new. One day all the nations will be glad. One day the peoples will praise you, O God. All the peoples will praise you. One day we will see his face. Revelation 22, I think it's the most, maybe the most beautiful picture and one of the most beautiful promises in all the Bible. Revelation 22, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no lamp of, of lamp, low light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. That's what I want. That's what I was made for. And I want to live every day of my life in anticipation of that day. When I see him face to face. The truth is, sometimes it's hard to do that. Sometimes we forget that that's our future. And that's why Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper. This meal that we're about to take reminds us that something better is coming. It reminds us that Jesus died in our place so that the Father's face could shine upon us. But it also looks forward to the day when we see him face to face. On the last night before he went to the cross, Jesus was was eating with his disciples and he told them before he went to the cross, he said, I'm going to return. And and when I come back, I'm going to throw a huge party. And people are going to come from north and south and east and west, Jews and Gentiles, people of every tribe and tongue and nation with every shade of skin from every corner of the earth. And he said, we're all going to get together and we're going to have a big party and we're going to rejoice and feast and delight in the grace and the blessing and the presence of God. And Jesus gave us this little meal as kind of an appetizer of that day promise you the food's going to taste better than than this wafer and this juice. Jesus will provide the best food. Jesus will pour the best wine. 
And we will eat together with brothers and sisters from all over the world and throughout all ages, and we will see his face. And so if you're trusting in that, if you're trusting in what God has done for you, listen, not in what you have done for God. If you're trusting in what God has done for you through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, then let's eat and drink together today. And I just want to say this, if, if you're not trusting in Jesus, if you're not sure, if you believe this, I want you to know that God wants to be gracious to you and bless you and pour out his blessing on you and make his face shine upon you. He wants to give you the only thing that can satisfy you. He wants to give you himself. That is what you were made for, and that's what he offers you today. And so if you've got questions about that, if you, if you want to know how that become a reality for you, then I would love to speak with you about that. So let's take the Lord's Supper and let's celebrate this gracious God who's poured out his blessing and made his face shine upon us. So peel off that top layer there, that top layer of cellophane. There's a, there's a wafer in there. Scriptures tell us that the Lord Jesus, on the night before he went to the cross, was eating with his disciples, and he took bread, and he broke it, and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let's eat and remember Christ. In the same way, after they had eaten, Jesus took the cup, and he poured out wine, and he says, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink and remember Christ. Let's pray. God, may you be gracious to us and bless us and make your face shine upon us. God, we confess that often we run from you. We hide from your face. Your face and your presence is the thing that we were made for. It's, it's the only thing that can bring us true and lasting and eternal joy. Yet, because of our sin, we run from you and, and we hide from you. God, I thank you for the body and blood of Jesus. I thank you that because his body was broken and his blood was spilled, we don't have to hide from you anymore. And so I pray for all of us in this room. I pray that we would stop hiding, that we would come out of the dark and that we would step into the light because we know that Jesus experienced the judgment that we deserve so that we could experience your grace. Jesus experienced the punishment that we deserve so that we could experience your blessing. Father, you turned your face from your son so that you could make your face shine on us. So we thank you for your mercy, and I pray that we would experience that. I pray that we would delight in what you have done for us, and I pray that we would delight in what you want to do through us. May you be gracious to us and bless us and make your face shine on us, that your way may be known on the earth and your saving power among all nations. We want to delight in you. We want to rejoice and be glad in you, and we want the whole world to rejoice and be glad in you. So God, as we do that now, as we stand and we sing and we praise you, I pray that all of us in this room would feel your face shining upon us and we pray that we would experience that eternal joy and I pray that then we would take that to the world around us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your body and blood, Jesus. I pray it in Christ's name, amen. Hey, that's like the whole point of this thing, right? 
the powerful, beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus by which we've been saved, the powerful, beautiful, wonderful person who has brought us into a relationship with himself and who's made his face to shine upon us so that we can have joy now and for all of eternity. So we receive that, and that's the whole reason we exist as a church, so that other people can experience that as well. All right, key verse is next. Uh, you get two of them this week because they go together. Psalm 67, one and two. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. And so take those verses with you this week. Pray those verses. Memorize those verses. Get those into your mind and your heart and your soul as you live in the world this week. All right, let's stand and let's receive our benediction as we go. Benediction, the blessing that um, the people of God have received for 3,300 years or so from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace be with you. Have a great week.